0: You're about to listen to Johnny and Hawk, covering all things Oklahoma sports, from the prep ranks to the college level, as well as the Thunder and minor league sports, Tulsa. Now, let's get to your hosts, Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk. Welcome back. It's another edition of Johnny and the Hawk podcast, discussing all things OU, OSU, TU. Hey, the NBA preseason is also beginning tonight. We'll touch a little bit on the Thunder and how they're going to fare this season. It's not going to be pretty, folks, because all they're going to do is gobble up draft picks and do what they can to build for the future. Johnny was out this past week. He was feeling a little under the weather. I think he's back to full strength now. Johnny, how are you doing? Let's get this podcast rolling. I'm doing great. Full strength is right. Let's get it. So OU wins a nail biter in some some would say up in the Little Apple against Manhattan or excuse me in Manhattan against Kansas State and Oklahoma State also beats Baylor to stay undefeated and TU what the heck is going on with the University of Tulsa losing 45 to 10 to open up conference play against Houston. Let's start off with OU and Kansas State. What was your first early thoughts of this matchup?
1: Well, this, I mean, you could say this about OSU too. It seems like the entire state of Oklahoma all other football teams are getting hit with the ugly stick it's a pandemic of ugly sticks because every single win it seems like it, there's su- there's such a caveat there's something that just went wrong and for some weird reason this year it's more about the offense than the defense OU's defense has been great OSU's defense has been great uh I thought this game, Spencer Rattler showed a little bit more poise. I thought he made some better decisions. Um, that interception, I think, in the third or fourth quarter, I think was costly. It was a kind of a careless one. But overall, you know, OU, I thought, did a, a pretty decent job against a pretty good Kansas State team. One that was ranked, I think it was 25 whenever OSU played against them. Yeah, they, yeah something like that. They, they were pretty good, and I definitely was really impressed on the defensive side of the ball. Um But they kind of let up in the fourth quarter a little bit. They kind of made Kansas State believe that they could get back into the game. Um, So there's still a lot of holes in this OU team. Dan, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest problem that they – it's the biggest question mark is where's the running game? I I still think they're having some struggles with the running backs. But I think the problem is is that you've got two strong backs, and that's it. And it's the same issue that's going on up at Oklahoma State, except the difference is they have just one – running back Jalen Warren is doing everything for OSU to stay in ball games. But the the biggest thing that OU needs to do is Spencer Rattler just needs to continue to control the offense and control these ball games. I I think as the season progresses, it should continue to look better for them. But that's been the biggest struggle, in my opinion, all season. And if you're the student section, stop booing Spencer Rattler. What are we doing here? Like, come on. We're talking about a premier athlete. I understand that there might be some jealousy and animosity due to the fact that this guy signed an NIL deal and he's getting paid to play college football. And I think he tweeted out, what was it, like a couple weeks ago where he got two brand-new cars. Good for him. (laughs) But stop being jealous, man. That's the way college football is going to go anymore. If you could be better with yourself and not boo and maybe play college football yourself, maybe you could get an NIL deal.
1: You know why that is? Yeah, give me- every Oklahoma fan is spoiled. Rich kid spoon-fed spoiled because for the past 4 years we've had the likes of Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts along with premier offensive line, premier running backs play for Lincoln Riley at OU. So we are spoiled. The moment we have a team that I mean they're not even that bad, but the moment they kind of underperform compared to the past years, the moment they stop dropping 40 50 points a game with over 500 yards of total offense now all of a sudden they start booing i think that whole booing thing is just a complete and total just being fans being spoiled caleb williams i'm sure i mean he was a five-star recruit he's going to be good he's gonna have his shot but Spencer Rattler, I think, in this game showed that he doesn't get flustered by those boos. If anything, this shows his character. I thought he had a good bounce back game, still a little bit of holes in his game. Um, and its I don't even think partly it's really his fault. People like to put the blame all on the QB. But I remember Joe Klatt in Fox said something like this, that the running game was struggling, which means play action isn't really much of an option. I mean, if you saw the days of Kyler and Baker, play action was a big part of OU's offense and like I said uh, a lot of the offensive line is still having some issues you know losing some an all-pro all-american center and Creed Humphrey kind of being the anchor of that offensive line is gonna have some struggles but I feel like this team is gonna get it together they may not make they may not have pretty wins like they did the past few years but I don't see OU really losing convincingly to any of these teams in the Big 12.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's going to come down to this weekend. Obviously, our podcast will be done before this uh, Red River rivalry showdown between OU and Texas. But I think uh, you're going to get a real telling of where OU stands because Texas got bushwhacked against Arkansas earlier in the year, but now Mm -hmm. they look like they've settled in and it looks like Texas could be the real deal. Both teams obviously going to be heading off to the SEC down the line, but this game is going to be the game that everybody's watching. Game day is going to be there in at the Cotton Bowl, and I think it's going to be some – it's definitely going to tell where OU stands. And for OSU, you better be happy that your bye week came at this time. The only difference that I would rather have your bye week coming is if it came in later in the season because it's always good to retool and whatnot, but a halfway point for the season is a perfect spot for a bye week, knowing the fact that your next opponent is in this game, which is Texas. And I think it's just a perfect time for OSU – to be sitting pretty for a Big 12 title. Uh, On my radio show, Between the Lines, we talked with Lisa Horn, and she says that she has Oklahoma State as a possibility as a playoff contender to be playing for the college football playoffs to raise a national title. What's your early thoughts of that? Because that's huge if that could transpire for Oklahoma State. Look,
1: I've said this countless times on this show, on Twitter, everywhere. I've said it before. Being an OSU fan... Is like being in a very, very toxic relationship. You hope that they're gonna change. You hope that they finally will make you happy, and then somehow, some way, in an inexplicably unexpected way, they just crush your heart. Like I, I don't said, think they're going to like this I year. said, hold on, like I said, the state of Oklahoma, all the teams are getting hit with ugly sticks with these wins. They're all wins, but they're all pretty ugly wins. Now the baylor game i thought you know spence threw some interceptions i thought that a few of them like two of them weren't really his fault the other one i thought was the defense though for osu is extremely impressive in all of those interception turnovers baylor went three and out the very next drive which that says a lot gundy i think god i think gundy i think it said that he was undefeated when they keep opponents to 20 points or less in a game. And he's done that already, other than the T U game, he's done that in every single game. Jim Knowles has been doing a fantastic job with the defense. I mean, the defensive line is putting in pressure. Malcolm Rodriguez continues to make nearly game-changing plays. Um, so for some reason, like it's just it's just a weird year to be an Oklahoma sports fan in football, because now the defense is doing good and both offenses are struggling. I do think that OSU's running game is a little bit more um one-sided? <laughs> One-sided, yes. But I think that if Jalen Warren can stay healthy, I think they're in a better shape than OU, where if they're not going, then they're just not going to go. And like,
0: that's why I said they're with their bye week is coming at the right time because they know it's going to be a juggernaut of a fight when they go down to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns.
1: Right. I mean, speaking of that game, I mean, like that – the this Red River Rivalry game at first, whenever Texas lost to Arkansas, I thought, ah, this is just gonna be a whatever. Another Texas season. Another, yeah. But I mean, Casey Thompson, since he uh, since that game has been playing great. I mean, B. John Robinson is uh, that dude can run. That dude He's can absolutely run. And I mean, I mean, you talk about storylines. Casey Thompson, I think, is from OKC, and his dad played for Barry Switzer at OU. So this is going to be a, a game full of storylines. So, And it's going to really sh- tell who is going to be in the best position in the Big 12. Because if if Texas wins, now it's going to be one of those things because they're ranked again. I think they're 22. I haven't checked the AP poll in a bit, but I know they're in the 20s. It's going to be one of those things where, okay, this may be a, a three-horse race between potentially OSU, OU and now Texas and with OSU playing them the next week coming from a bye You know what position would any of those teams be in and then you think about OU if they win then I mean they could just coattail the rest of the season because of all the Schedulings the only team that I could probably see OU losing to could be OSU could be maybe Iowa State but given how they're playing right now and maybe they're kind of recovering you know, I don't really see them. They could be bending. It could be a bunch of close games down the stretch. But, like I said, I don't really see anyone going up against OU and leaving with the win.
0: And with that, with Texas and OU, I think that the biggest question mark in all this is, you know the SEC teams and the big wigs and all that are watching this game. <laughs> no, this yes, they are. Because they're going to see, okay, we've invited them. They're joining us. What do they really have to offer? Let's take a look at them. I know they look at OU and they're like, hey, we've seen what they've done, where they've won uh, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Big 12 titles. But what does Texas really have? I feel like, truthfully, I think OU's going to roll them, and I think it's going to be another hold-my-beer moment. The only thing that, as OSU fans, you want to see see them beat the snot out of each other left and right so that when you get Texas next weekend – Maybe you can catch them on their heels after a tough bout with Oklahoma because whether they roll them or not, one thing is for sure. You've watched many of these games over the years, Johnny, growing up in the state of Texas. This is a dogfight, and sometimes the way these are played is it's smash-mouth football like no other. And at the end of the day, it depends on how your season – it doesn't matter how your season goes. You have to beat that team on the other side of the field.
1: Right, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, going back to that's just a Texas OU – Going back to OSU, I mean, you could make the argument that this bye week actually came, like you said, at the perfect time, and that they may be coming out of the bye week an even better team. Because, like I said, you look at the defense, I mean, there's no Trace Ford, no Brock Martin, uh Colin Oliver, I mean, he was a walk on. He's been playing pretty good, in my opinion. Um, He's been playing out of his mind. Absolutely. I mean, like, I mean, he wasn't really, I mean, those two names I said, Trace Ford, uh... Brock Martin those guys should have been starting so Colin Oliver really shouldn't in the very beginning of the season who knows uh, he may not have seen nearly as much playing time as he is now but he is absolutely playing his heart off and um, you know Spencer Sanders is this whole team is going to be reliant on how he performs whether they win whether they lose especially going down once it starts getting to the end of the year, it's really going to be important for him to show out because right now given how all the college football landscape is right now, I feel like a Big 12 team can afford to lose and if they were to just if they just pass the eye test the rest of the way, if they just keep on winning, keep on winning, then maybe we could squeeze in because right now, I mean the the Pac-12 just hey, got a big blow to the balls because Oregon lost. Uh, Big Ten, uh, there's ha- there's going to be a Big Ten team there with Iowa or Penn State. There's definitely going to be two SEC teams in Georgia and Alabama. Don't care what anyone says. That's going to happen. You might as well just book it right now. And then you got Cincinnati. Whether This could be the year that a f- group of five team finally makes it into the college football playoff. But if Cincinnati even blips once, if they just w- somehow go to the game with any one of these uh, teams in the American and just somehow get the yips, they are out, so that could be a lot of pressure for a team like that.
0: Yeah, I just but going off of Cincinnati, like it's time that we expand the playoffs. Like I, I believe that four teams is fine where we started, but it's been a popularity contest, man. I'm tired of seeing all these SEC teams get the opportunity to play in the Big Dance, that, and no one else gets an I think offer.
1: That four that that twelve game playoff, the twelve team playoffs done.
0: I, I don't After need to be Texas 12. After that Texas OU
1: thing and then the I, NIL, I, it I think be, it's done. It's I, I done. Don't,
0: I don't need a 12-team playoff. I would love to see 8 to 10. It's called Power 5 for a reason, okay? That means every year one team or one conference is going to be left out. And it looks like right now, even though they lost or with them losing, they're going to be left out, and that's the Pac-12 with Oregon. And this is something that's a tragedy in my opinion, for college football. It's not a good thing. Why can we not expand to at least the five Power Five conferences join? Yes, if you've listened to this podcast before, I am a big-time Boise State fan because it's where I went to school. They suck this year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're two and three. But when Boise State is historically good, and you've all seen it, They can play against the best of them. They beat Virginia Tech. They've beaten Georgia. They've beaten Oklahoma. They've beaten TCU. The list can go on. And I'm not just saying Boise State. It's time a non-Power 5 gets a look. The problem that I have with it is if you're a non-Power 5, Johnny, every year you got to go by years. It's not just one season to be good. Kentucky's undefeated right now. Just think about it. If the season ended right now, Kentucky can have an argument that they should deserve to be in the final four for to play in this playoff thing. Kentucky. Right.
1: But if there was not, if there was not a four team playoff, would the? the I mean, cause the I would Oregon, say the lesser Oregon's... of the
0: the lesser of the Power Five schools. So the team that let's take Oregon. So if Oregon makes the playoffs, and they they're the one team at the one loss, you pit them against this non power five team that's how you do it moving here's
1: forward. here's the counter argument and i'm not saying that i believe this i'm just playing devil's advocate sure here. would that stanford win let's look at it from the stanford's perspective would that win against oregon mean really much at all if there was an automatic qualifier for the college football playoff in terms of a conference yes, because i
0: think the way we look at college football you ought you will have an automatic qualifier getting in the big dance for it and, and come on I know that some people think I'm crazy, but when you watch March Madness, when you watch it as a guy that picks the games just like the rest of us, you want to see a Stony Brook upset somebody, a George Mason upset somebody, a Duquesne upset somebody. You don't want to see Duke, North Carolina win the whole thing and not have any upset in it. We love seeing upsets. We don't we're not robots where we like to see the best of the best win it. We like to see these upsets in these teams that shouldn't win it. ORU last year when we're sitting in the newsroom upstairs. How excited were you when ORU knocked off Arkansas or not or excuse me, Florida? It was a and oh. Ohio State. Everybody's going bananas. Yes, we cover them. And yes, you're in the state that it's that that's going on. But you fill out your bracket just like everybody else. You don't put the best teams winning the whole dumb thing, do you? Well,
1: I think that with basketball, it's a little bit different because, I mean, just the nature of the game. I mean, I mean, you uh, if you shoot a half court shot there's a chance it's going to get in. Of course. But with football, it's a little bit more schematic. It's a little bit more – you need to have a little bit more of a game plan. But there's still upsets. There's definitely still upsets for sure. But I think that they have an augmented just pizzazz to them just because there's so few spots to be competing for a national championship. But how many Especially times- after with, – with the BCS era, um, there was only two. Number one, number two. So every game literally counted do or die every snap – now, you know, it's the college football playoff, four teams. You could kind of afford to have a bad game, win, or if you lose, you could still kind of recover. If you go eight teams and add those automatic qualifiers, how special would the upsets really be at that point?
0: Can't we just expand it to six? So what? So uh, then you have it? all power fives in the big dance and one automatic qualifier. Why can't we expand it to six? That means all the power five well, conferences. the number
1: one seed have a uh, bye?
0: You could have one bye, or you could just play the uh, the three games all on the same day, and then, then, then after that, you're down to uh, four teams. Well, okay, here's another thing, and I guess, I mean, I don't know if I'm
1: being devil's advocate or not, or I really believe this. I don't know, but think about this, Dan. Who other than Georgia and Alabama do you think have a legit shot at the national championship?
0: Right now, as it stands, it's a crapshoot. Because, because it, it, that's my point.
1: Right now... I think Ohio State, the very first time there was a college football playoff, I think they're the only number four seed to have beaten a number one in Alabama. That was the Cardell Jones year whenever Ohio State won the national championship. That's the only time in this college football playoff era where the number four team in the nation beat the number one team. So when we say put them in the playoff, all the chaos, all these upsets, What you're really talking about is just who is going to be able to be in the limelight in the semifinals of a college football No, I'm talking
0: about when I look at college football, I go back, and I don't remember what a year it is. You might jog my memory, but Alabama didn't even win their division, okay? And they still got to be in the playoffs. Did not win their division. That is a problem. You can't win your division. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I don't care how good the team is. You didn't even win your division which meant you didn't even win the conference. That means a conference that had a winner for it, and I don't remember who it was that year. It was probably a Stanford or an Oregon. I
1: think that was the Georgia year, whenever it was Georgia versus Alabama Correct. in the national championship.
0: Correct. But you didn't even have a team from the West Coast. And, and, yes, I'm a West Coast guy. I get that. But I would say the same thing if it was from the Big Ten or if it was from the Big 12. If you didn't win your conference or your division, you do not deserve to be in the playoffs. It's a popularity contest. That's where I draw the line with it. You need to expand. Four teams is not a playoff. Just like you and I are baseball fans, okay? There's not enough teams in baseball that are in the playoffs. The Mariners won 90 games, 90 games this past season. And once again, the Mariners are not in the playoffs.
1: I'm not complaining. I'm a Rangers fan.
0: Yeah, I I get it. You're, a, <laughs> you're you're in the AL West. I understand, but you understand my point with this. Yes. It, it, I'm not saying it needs to be 12 teams. I'm not saying it needs to be 10. Just expand it to six, and if you don't want to do the 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 la, the worst power five team plan the AQ team, then put the best team playing the AQ team. Why not? If Alabama is so damn good, why can't they play a Cincinnati and because they should win them. They should beat them with no problem. And then the other th- the audacity of this is let's look at Cincinnati. Where are they going in a couple of years? To the Big 12. So if you look at it in that spectrum, are they already considered a Big 12 team or are they not? Because they're going to be a Big 12 team eventually. And then what do? You, and my only my only problem with all this too is you can't when you have teams like this you can't decide what conference you're in. Sometimes you're not going to be picked. Let's look at Tulsa. Tulsa's obviously and we're going to touch base on how they're doing right now but they're off to a bad season this year. Okay? But let's say Tulsa runs the table. They're not going to be given a shot. Because, oh, you're playing in the American Conference, just like Cincinnati. There's no difference.
1: Right, but the reality is, you look at the conference going up against Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, South Florida. It doesn't compare to Alabama's schedule of going up against the likes of Arkansas, Texas AM. Arkansas, LSU.
0: this year, come on. That's the only year they've been good. For Florida. The last 10 years. They played Florida. Fine. You're going to say Vanderbilt's good. Okay, but here's the thing. You're going to say Tennessee's good. Yes, they're 3 and 2, but Tennessee. Recent, as of recent memory, they've been pretty. Would
1: Tennessee, but okay. Would let's South say South Carolina. Let's say trash. we put. Let's say let's say they do a kind of a basketball thing between the SEC and the ACC head to head. What would be the record of the American teams beating any of the SEC teams? Because you say Tennessee trash, no, in football. football. In Let's football. say Tennessee, yeah, they're trash. Vanderbilt haven't been good in a long time. Bottom of the barrel in terms of the SEC. Mizzou, you think about all the other teams that are underwhelming. Mississippi State, old miss they, even. I mean, old miss. Yeah, they just got destroyed by Alabama. But I would take those teams. Any day over in Eastern Carolina, over in SMU. I'm
0: not. You, no, I'm not debating it as a whole. It's man.
1: about the strength of schedules. What I'm saying, you I, just could I, put I, Cincinnati I, all up there. I and get everything. that, but
0: okay. If you're a team that goes undefeated like Cincinnati, and you don't get a shot at it, look who, look what they did last year. They went undefeated, and they're still not getting a shot at it. They have a winning streak that's over 20 games. They're not getting a shot. What else do they have to do to prove to the voters, the poll sayers, the committee, whatever you want to call it? What do they got to do to prove to them? They've d- they've done everything that's been asked to them. So why are they not getting a shot? And you know for you know this, the committee is going to look at the polls, and they're just begging, please, Bearcats, lose BYU, please lose, because we have to find an excuse to not put you in this playoff. That's why they're sitting at. Uh, six right now or five depending on the polls that you're looking at they will not put them to four They will not. And and I get it. You're right on the strength of schedule. They have one more big game, and it's the second to last game of the season when they play SMU. And that also holds if SMU stays the way they are undefeated. If SMU loses, then there's no games left on Cincinnati's schedule to prove to anybody that, hey, we belong. So the only thing Cincinnati could do from then on is just beat the snot out of other opponents and run up the score, which is also not a good look either.
1: Look, I may just be a pessimist right here, but Based on what I've seen in the past years of the college football playoff and based on what I'm seeing this year, there's really no no one who is going to probably beat Georgia or Alabama. It's a done set deal. Those two are going to be the ones playing for the national championship. So when you say put them in, let's see what happens. I mean, yeah, there's obviously a potential for an upset, but these two teams are just so freaking dominant. So much they they just got dogs in every single position. I don't see any other team outside of maybe, maybe in Iowa just because of how they play that could potentially beat them. And like I said, it's been showing like in the history of the college football playoff. I mean recently now it's just been Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. So it's just one it's different, you know, but when you have that outlier team, who gets in, who normally doesn't get in. I'm talking about Michigan State, and I think it was 2015. The very next year, or maybe the same year, actually. No, next the next year was Washington. They are just one and done. They just get absolutely but- dismantled and everything. So when you say a six-team, eight-team playoff, yeah, the very first few rounds, you could get an upset. You could get, like, a group of five team, like Cincinnati, let's say, go up against a Big 12 team like an OU, and they might win that game, or they go up against a Pac-12 champion. They might win that game. But if you once you get to the national championship, who is going to win that game? It's going to come down to probably the top two teams, which is how it's been in college football. But
0: wrapping this up, I'm going off of your schedules on the both of them. Here's the non-conference for Alabama. Mercer Bears... New Mexico State. You're right.
1: You're right. That's give absolutely me br-
0: right. Oh, and Miami, who is not back. Miami is not back. Let's go to Georgia. Clemson. I will give them that non-con. UAB and Charleston Southern. You're right. It's a joke, and you cannot defend that. You can't. Argue. Don't give me this, well, their strength of schedule is legit. Really? Missouri is legit in football? Arkansas got put back in their place. It's the same thing. The SEC is top-heavy, and it's been that way for years. But because we put all the emphasis on the football in the South, that's where it stands, and it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Our final topic of the day, TU football, train wreck over at 11th and Harvard at Chapman Stadium, losing a massive game to Houston. This was ugly from the start to finish. I I've been hurt hearing that there's been a flu-like sim- symptom running around the locker room. I I don't flu-like. You know it, what that means? It, it, yeah, I get it. But it just doesn't even matter. Like you got to show up, and they did not show up, and it's things that need to be corrected. How do you go from where you finished last year? to losing to UC Davis, Oklahoma State, Ohio State. I I give them the Oklahoma or the Ohio State game. They should have probably beat Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State at that time did not look promising. Not good at all. And then they beat Arkansas State and now they've lost to Houston and yeah, I mean it's it's not Houston we have a problem. Tulsa we have a problem.
1: And the next game is against Memphis, who's against a pretty Memphis. good team. Dan help me out here cuz I mean yeah, the UC Davis game was pretty ugly, right? The OSU game, you saw that this team had some promise. And then the very first half of the Ohio State game, TU was right there. They were right there against Ohio State. I mean, it was. It looked like they were going to have, like, one of those, like, a group of five upset or maybe, you know, one sure. of those teams where, like, it comes down to the very last snap in the fourth quarter, and then Ohio State just ran with it. But I sat there and I said – Tulsa is probably one of the best zero three teams I've ever seen because they just
0: and now they just like one of the worst 0- and now just one and four teams. Help me ever out seen. though. What
1: just went wrong on this team? Because you I cover it, this extensively.
0: I, I think it just comes down to play calling, and they just did not look like they wanted to be there. Let's say they let's say they weren't sick. Okay, they just did not look like they wanted to be there. At opening up the conference slate against Houston. Uh, you know, I can't judge. Uh, the X's and O's, because I, I, you know, I don't coach, but it, it just looks like the play calling is extremely predictable, and it and it has it's it's struggling right now, and, and the running the running game was horrendous. Shamari Brooks was minus two, if I'm not mistaken. That's pretty bad. That's bad. Davis Brin, who's the quarterback, I believe, was minus forty. Why are you running the ball? Once he hits minus ten, I'm not running the ball anymore with him. And I just think it's going to be a tough road to hoe moving forward for them. And all the, uh, the prestige and all the noise that they received last year was Zayvon Collins and the phenomenal season. Now it looks like, man, Zayvon Collins should have won the Heisman last year because they just don't look they – just, they're just awful right now. And it's frustrating covering them. Because you you cheer for them on the outside. I mean, yes, we're journalists and we're not supposed to be impartial. But, hey, we're doing a podcast. So we could be a bit more opinionated and whatnot. But on the outside looking in, it's just frustrating to see this team struggle out the way it is. And, honestly, I'm going to say it. I'm ready for basketball season. I'm ready for basketball f- season for the University of Tulsa because I don't know what they can do for the rest of the season. They're, they are going to get a couple wins that, in there that they should win. You know, they should be able to beat um, – Memphis coming into town this coming weekend but it's still I, I don't see them making it a bowl season this year and that to me that's disappointing with all the the veteran leadership that you have on the rest of the season. I mean they should beat South Florida but South Florida for whatever reason is awful. I don't know why I don't know how you can't recruit in South Florida. They should beat Navy but Navy's going to give you some headaches. Then they go to Cincinnati. We know that's a loss and then they're at Tulane that's a flip of the cup I don't know on that one and then they play Temple who just beat Memphis so I don't know on that and then they wrap it up with SMU and Dallas and come on SMU in Cincinnati they've been playing great smu this been
1: playing SMU's been playing great yeah it's kind of just disappointing knowing especially how they were uh they were just so good last year and they had a the you I mean I saw you in the newsroom you were kind of just excited but the potentially they could beat Cincinnati. They could go on to, you know, a big time bowl game and everything. There was clear excitement for the Tulsa Hurricane, and now it's just—I mean, I saw the—I the, saw part of the press conference, and uh, Coach Montgomery said he was really disappointed uh, in the performance. I mean, when your coach says that, um, you know, something is wrong here.
0: Hundred percent. You got problems. So uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to turn it around. Now we're going, to, we're going to wrap up our show with one of the best things that Johnny and I get to talk about is we get to show our true fandom, and that's wrestling. We're, we're big wrestling fans. It's probably never going to change. We always try to get it in. The past couple of times we haven't been able to get it in, but right now, it, it, AEW, if you're a fan of it, it's looking like it's the wrestling program that you want to keep on your TV dial next to New Japan Pro Wrestling, which obviously that only depends on if you pay for the subscription or not or scavenge it through... YouTube, but my goodness, Brian Danielson along with CM Punk, AEW looks like it's on the map moving forward, man.
1: Jim Ross said that he's comparing the current AEW roster to the Attitude Era WWE. Oh, and roster. he's a hundred
0: percent. I mean,
1: you talk about stacked. You got in the tag team division, you got the Young Bucks, and then the main event right now, you got Kenny Omega against Brian Danielson. No one, if you knew, if you knew anything about wrestling, no one thought that that match would be as mainstream it would be shown in the mainstream light like this you'd think that'd be an old school indie uh wrestling 100%. match but now it's a reality you got CM Punk coming back working with the young talent and everything here's the thing about me dan and i'm just trying to uh i i I want to be the type to just smell the roses but i'm going to be very i'm just going to be a wait and see type of guy in this because I've seen something like this before, and it was a disaster. And what I'm talking about is Impact Wrestling. Whenever Hogan, Bischoff, uh, Hardy, whenever they all showed up at once and just completely destroyed that company, put it to the absolute ground, they shoved the TNA guys like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles to the ground, and they replaced them with WWE stars with with recycled ripoff WWE storylines I just hope AEW doesn't make that mistake I am pretty sure they're not but you know like you bring in like Adam Cole too I'm just worried that they're gonna bring too much WWE guys and they're not gonna let their young guys shine I don't know I'm being a pessimist what do you think
0: I I disagree I think they've got a balanced roster and what they're able to do that I, I I look at I look at Chris Jericho you know, he's, like, a long time. I mean, he's been everywhere in wrestling. I mean, WCW, ECW, WWE. Uh, I think he, he did stuff, obviously, in New Japan for a while. I mean, Absolutely. Th- th- this man's done everything in the wrestling. And, like, they're not making him the focal point of AEW. Yes, they're using his name recognition on things, but I do believe that they're starting to make talent because they're, when you look at the roster that they're picking from WWE, they're not picking guys that are like the Brock Lesnar or the John Cena's. They're picking up guys that either were unhappy or unhappy with their creative. I don't know yet, unless I'm, you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but Bray Wyatt has not shown up on AEW's Four Steps. Nope. It, it, but I see him joining. I don't know why he would go to TNA. The only way he would go to TNA or Impact is if he wants to make a cash cow run with the money and I don't know if TNA has or impact has that kind of money to pay a Bray Wyatt I I, their roster is not as good as AEW and I think they're doing the right things with AEW I think Sammy Kanan the owner of AEW uh, who's also the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars I think he's vested interest in this I I think he looks at this as it's kind of like the old Ted Turner days where it's his baby. If In that the makes wrestling
1: sense. business. Yeah,
0: but it's not the wrestling business with uh, with AEW. I mean, if you're a purist with wrestling, I think this brings it back to the forefront where it's wrestling. It's not social media crap. It's not who's plugging on Saturday Night Live or what movie. They just wrestle. And I think that's what our age group likes. The kids, the little guys, like six to nine, of course are going to watch WWE because it's more comical. It's more, what do you want to say it, like, it's more kid, kid friendly.
1: friendly, yeah. Whereas AEW is a little bit more mature, and they could give the but it's not the bloody mature
0: or the sexual into windows. Yeah, it's more just pure wrestling for the talents perspective. And whether CM Punk lasts for a year, two years, or whatever, I think now that he's in, I think CM Punk is looking at it like, damn, I should have hopped in this maybe five years ago.
1: Well, the thing that about CM Punk is like it's. It's great that he's there, but he's there because he wants to help out the talent, not necessarily because he Correct. wants to be the next star and everything, because he wants to be AEW champion. And that's something that Mick Foley said. I don't know if you saw what he said, that if you want to be a wrestler trying to make an impact on the business, you should go to AEW and not WWE. Right. Because they will give you all the free reigns and they will give you all the resources to make you as good of a performer as you can. Now, it's it's interesting because AEW, like I said, they're, it's, they're kind of edgy. They cuss on the air and everything. Oh, excuse me on that. Um, but I feel like WWE, the moment they really start to sh- see that their competition, I feel like there may be a, another shift in WWE where they're going to have another Attitude Era Something very similar to what happened with WCW. I mean, they they were comparing uh, Danielson and Adam Cole's uh, arrival, kind of like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash with WCW. I mean, it's really gonna. It's starting to get to that point where people are starting to. And I I don't know if you keep up with any of the ratings of these shows, but I mean, when we talk about sports and what people watch, AEW and WWE, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, whether it's Rampage or Dynamite. I mean, they're only losing to Sunday night baseball or Sunday night football. They're just they're losing to the you know, the the, the, cream, of the, sports, product, the cream of the crop product. Right. Everything else is just wrestling. So they're right there neck and neck with each other in terms of viewership. Uh so it's gonna be really interesting how they incorporate these new guys who are obviously established names with the less mainstream type of guys in the roster, um, like MJF, like I said, the Young Bucks. These are really Great talent that they have in AEW. I just hope they don't push them to the side like how TNA did. Then again, you know, TNA had a ton of just issues. I mean, they were just—it was just
0: a madhouse— I I think I think it's going to continue to thrive. I I think as long as they go in stages like they don't say, okay, we're going to make an, uh, uh, you know, a paid version of the app where you could watch everything. As long as they keep building block moving forward, I think it's fine because I think as a purist wrestling fan like you and me. That's why we watch AEW.
1: And you know what? Another smart thing is they don't have a monthly pay-per-view type of
0: thing like WWE no. does. No, and I think that's been the death of the WWE too. Uh, not death, as it's gone, but I think it's that's, oversaturated. It, yes, I, when you do, and, and then look at all the other elements. They have NXT. They have WWE it's British too much content. There's just, you know, in a way, it's sad, but there's too much content. I think it's over watered down, and then I think that's why you get superstars that slip beneath the cracks. Why would you get rid of a Bray Wyatt? Why are we even discussing contact or, or contract situations with Bray Wyatt? Uh, his TV funhouse thing or not funhouse the firefly uh, firefly thing great gimmick. But the his original gimmick, you didn't need to change it.
1: I thought you kind of I thought he was getting a little bit stale with the Wyatt family thing. But, it's, but it, the Fiend was amazing. The
0: Fiend is a phenomenal gimmick, but the Wyatt family when it was with Brody Lee before he rests in peace uh, passed away, it was a phenomenal gimmick. It was. It was on the they top of everything. It, really it was bad. hot because it was different. Because when he was feuding with John Cena, it was not comical and kid-like. It, it felt raw, and it felt right in your face. Think
1: about what you just said, John Cena. <laughs> Mr. Buried
0: himself. But it's true, though. It's right. it, It's true. It just didn't feel... Comical, like it felt very raw, and I'm not saying raw is in the wrestling program, not a cheap pun there, but it it just felt original and it felt unique. And then I think WWE's done some stupid things. I know this goes back a few years, but when Randy Orton, I believe it's uh, the Fiend, there or or, no, it's Taker, where they're fighting in that house, yep, it's comical, like it's not even wrestling at that point, and that's why I think AEW is on the map on doing things the correct way. And, and back
1: back to the pay-per-view thing. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Back to the pay-per-view thing. They only do a few like there's like what? There's all out, there's double or nothing. They make those pay-per-views really special. They and do. something else that I really was debating on that someone uh someone that I know uh kind of pointed this out to me. You know, we always talk about okay, does does AEW need a like a WrestleMania? type of a event where they just sell out a huge football stadium and make it this big extravaganza. And I was talking to this person and he's like, okay, be real here. How many times is WrestleMania the best pay-per-view in any, in a single given year for WWE?
0: It's hit or miss. It's it, hit or miss. Sometimes it goes it's like every other year or every couple years,
1: sometimes it's the best one. And other times it's underwhelming and you got a normal pay-per-view. That's uh, you know, SummerSlam survivor series. That's better than the wrestlemania of that year it's just that we get so caught up on the extravagance of the spectacle of wrestlemania 80 70 000 fans watching wrestling in this huge football arena the entrances the pizzazz the mystique the pageantry we get carried away with that with wrestlemania when what really is it's just you just want some wrestling i mean wrestlemania is seven hours of it's wrestling way too long where too. they just Cram and cram and cram and cram and cram. But hey, it's WrestleMania. It's this big spectacle. Look at the
0: fireworks type of thing. 100%. Whereas AEW, what I think they have what four pay per views on the year. I I pulled it up just because we were discussing it. Uh, twenty nineteen. So they're when they launched. They had uh, five pay per views: May, June, July, August, November. Okay. This year uh, twenty twenty. So last year they had four pay per views. February, May, September, and November. Now, this year, they've had three, and they're only going to have, they'll probably only have one more to wrap up the year full gear on November 13th, but they spread it out. So they make, I'm not saying you got to have a pay per view every month, but the thing, if you're going to pay for something, don't you want it to, like when you go buy a meal, you don't go buy a meal to like, oh man, this taco sucks. You buy it because you want it to taste good and you want it to make you happy, correct? So why do a pay-per-view every week with your writers that you got to come up with something? Look, we all know that wrestling is fake in the regards of we know that they're predetermined match. Fake. But what they're doing in the arena is not fake. Okay? Injuries do take place. They actually do get hurt. Yes. And and, and what they have to do for their bodies and for their fans is real. Okay? It's, it's real. I'm not going to debate that. You know, it's just – it is what it is. But – I think they're making it their jobs easier for the riders and the wrestlers, and it puts on a better show. Double or Nothing was phenomenal. And I know they did it at two different places, but it was phenomenal. Fun- okay. That and was All great. Out was good as well. So I'm guessing uh, Full Gear will be j- just as good. And I think that's the reason why they're so successful with it.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, we're about to probably wrap up here, but last thing I want to say is I mean, I'm excited. I hope they don't rush into the Monday Night War where they like move Dynamite to Raw or something because they may also have something special with maybe adding in like independent stuff with New Japan, adding in stuff um, with uh, TNA, Ring of Honor. I mean, AEW says they are absolutely willing to make one of those events like a cross promotion event. Whereas WWE never is probably ever going to think about doing that. Um, so we may be seeing some crazy matchups um, with AEW stars and like other indie stars that you've seen. Like, uh, I mean, there's James Storm in TNA, uh, Jay Lethal. Chris Sabin, Chris Saban, uh, Jimmy Havoc. I mean, these are top wrestlers. Even the ones all in Japan, uh, Okada. I don't know if you know who Okada yes, is. He's phenomenal. Big time guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So who knows? We'll see. Maybe
0: the two will join forces and keep going, and maybe it'll be a real fight with the WWE.
1: Hopefully. That would be amazing. Years, 20 years since Monday Night War has happened. It would be great for wrestling.
0: Well, that does it for this week's episode of Johnny and the Hawk Podcast. Remember, you can follow us both on Twitter as well to give us your thoughts. Thank you for listening. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll keep these podcasts rolling. It'll probably be on an every other weekly basis or maybe every other Three weekly basis, depending on how it goes, but check us out on iTunes. Uh, you can also follow us on SoundCloud as well. It's up there. Uh, but just tune into our podcast. We love doing it, it's a lot of fun. I'm Dan Hawk. That's Johnny Resendez. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can follow Johnny Resendez as well as Dan Hawk on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk. Also, for all the latest Oklahoma sports, check on newson6.com.